Well, just like we promised Live Life Aggressively Podcast Nation, we come back this week with part two of our discussion with top strength coach Steve Maxwell. Now, we've got a lot of great feedback coming from part one, and there was a lot of good things shared in that, but Steve really, really shares all the gems in this part right here. So you definitely want to check out part one before you get into this one if you haven't checked it out already. If you have checked out part one, man, you're in for a treat with part two. Steve's going to share his opinions about the unhealthy environment of the early RKC as well as the brand new faces of the new RKC and truly what he feels about them, as well as his opinions on the TRX. Also, he talks about strength coaches who spend a lot of time doing more demonstrating for strength instead of training for strength. And Steve also shares his daily health regimen, as well as um, his love for ferrets. Hmm. Yeah, you definitely have to tune in and check that out, man, because that was very, very interesting. So Enough with the talk. Let's go ahead and get into our discussion with top strength coach Steve Maxwell right here on the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Mike Mahler and yours truly, Sincere Hogan. Enjoy, folks. In the beginning, it really was a lot of fun. And yeah. the thing that made it fun were you guys. You know, yeah. I, I agree. Je- Jeff Martone and yourself and, and, and Cotter and, and all those guys were so much fun to work with. Even Pavel himself was actually a pretty funny guy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I enjoyed the camaraderie and I certainly would pick up great ideas. I mean, I don't care how long you've been in the business, you can always learn from the other guy. Even if it's just a subtle way of teaching an old technique that you know, I mean, it can be well worth your time. But um, I saw it developing more and more into the cult of Pavel. And especially when they got into this militaristic type thing, I felt really uncomfortable with that whole military bent and that whole push and punishing people with push-ups and all that kind of silly stuff. And, you know, we, we, for years, had more or less put down gear Vic sport, but yet we use a gear Vic sport, uh, high repetition snatch test to test people's efficiency with the kettlebell. That made right. no sense whatsoever. You actually had to know GS in order to pass that test or some of the techniques. It, it made no sense whatsoever. It just seemed like a mindless expenditure of energy. And, um, yeah, it was very cult-like, and I started feeling more and more uncomfortable with it. Some of the outlandish uh, advertising that they used, uh, you know, some of the marketing that uh, Duquesne was using to, to push the RKC, I started right. feeling very uncomfortable. Because it was basically outright lying. He was lying. There was no way that kettlebells were going to do what he said they were going to do. Right, like improve your pull-up, improve your... Pull up. Remember that whole, uh, you know, do clean and jerks and that'll improve your pull-ups. And if you just do this, it'll improve your sprinting without sprinting or doing pull-ups. It was stuff like that. And they, they used to call it the, the kettlebell what the hell effect, right? Yeah. Where someone, <laughs> someone would be like, I haven't even done this in years and I'm better at it now. You know, and people would just start popping those kind of stories up. And, uh, I, I don't and you know, I mean, it's funny. Uh, no, it's go, funny go that you mentioned that because I was just thinking about that when I was walking, you know, to do this podcast. Yeah. Remember that one Russian study they talked about the Russian cadets, the the ones that train on kettlebells, did better in all the unrelated fitness tests that they did at this Russian military academy. Right. 
Pavel always cited that study. Of course, none of us had ever seen it or had a chance to read it, but he had cited <laughs> right, all the right, right. <laughs> But you know something, inter- but something interesting, you know, like Arthur Jones took the Nautilus machines to West Point, and he had the West Point cadets going through a Nautilus circuit. And you know what? Every one of the guys in that Nautilus circuit also improved in all the fitness tests that they used, including the two-mile run, without wow. having done those particular fitness tests. Oh, very but interesting. The point is, yeah, well, the point is that, you know, it doesn't matter. If you have people that haven't really strength trained that much before, any god-awful program, it could be god-awful, is going to make improvements across the board in, in beginner mm. trainees. Right. And, yeah, for sure, you're going to see some improvements just by virtue of the fact that you're stronger, period. Or maybe you lose some body fat, especially on, you know, um, exercises that uh, where you're penalized for, for carrying extra body fat, like a pull-up, for example. I kind of look at pull-ups and chin-ups almost as a de facto body composition machine. Because if you gain weight and your pull-ups go down, for sure you know you gain fat. And if your weight goes up and your pull-ups stay the same or go up, for sure you gain muscle. So, I mean, it's a pretty, it's it's an excellent little de facto body composition machine. But, yeah, they, they made a lot of things up at the old RKC, and it was just getting more and more bizarre. And uh, also, you know, guys like you and me, Mike, you know, we're alpha males. You know, we, 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 um, we, we saw that there was no place at the table for us beyond a certain point. You know, right. it was going to be right. all about the Pavel stuff. And yeah. we, you can only explain so far in that. But I do yeah. find it ironic that Pablo finally left and you know started his own <laughs> Well, you know what's funny, Steve, is we had we had a guy on the show a couple of weeks ago, a guy named Max Shank, who is is was he moved he moved he's a higher up guy in the RKC, a really cool guy, and he he decided to stay with the RKC after Pablo and his inner circle left, and he said that the RKC is a lot better now. It's much more egalitarian, and people like Josh Henkin are now a big part of it, where his stuff is being supported, his sandbag training system, and so forth where people have much more say in the development of the program. So it's kind of funny that it's it's moved in a direction that I think we probably would have liked to see it move in long after we've been out of the whole thing. So maybe maybe the problem all along was, you know, Pavel needed to get out of the system and then you just needed to decentralize the whole organization to bring up Yeah, perhaps leaders. I'm thinking that uh, for sure he was very talented and very charismatic person and certainly knowledgeable. But when you build a whole organization around one guy, it can be problematic. Sure. And yeah. he himself did attempt to bring people in and, and build them up and build their identities in the fitness community. He was pretty generous that way. There's no doubt. Sure. But I, I see I see that it, it did become almost a, the cult of Pablo and it, it was becoming unhealthy really unhealthy right and sometimes almost borderline abusive and sometimes you get these fanatics you know these fanatics that uh you know would do anything just to be people yeah remember remember that one guy steve who remember that one guy who wanted to like uh, he like pavel said he was going to make him do deck deck squats at some point and then this guy was just waiting around after dinner, after all of us were eating dinner, and he was outside the restaurant. He's like, okay, I'm ready for my punishment now. And he was ready. He was fully prepared to do deck squats right there on the pavement. And he was, he was, yeah. about, he was about to do it, and, Steve's, and Steve's, Steve goes up to Pavel. He's like, look, man, don't let him do that, man. Don't let him humiliate himself like that. Don't let him hurt himself like that. You, know, don't, don't, you, don't, want, to, you don't want to encourage this kind of behavior. 
Yeah, I mean that that's what I'm talking about. And that that was just unhealthy, you know. So yeah, so maybe it's a lot better now. I mean, for sure they have some very talented people coming up, you know. Um, you know, I, I like uh, who's the one guy, the uh, Al Cavado. Yeah, yeah, I was about to bring up Al and sure. his brother, yeah, sure. and Danny. Yeah, yeah the, the Cavado. Yeah, brothers. I was just down in Tompkins Square Park not long ago, you know. I was I was hoping I'd run into him because he's a pretty amazing guy. So yeah, they have some pretty amazing people, you know. And um, for sure, I mean, um, I think they've changed. Uh, I think they've diversified. You know, they didn't put all their eggs in one kettlebell basket, so to speak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 you know, now it sounds like uh, Josh with the sandbags and so forth. So, and, and, of course, you know, I knew Josh for years and, you know, yeah. very, very knowledgeable guy, yeah, very talented guy. guy. So, yeah. So I think that's pretty cool yeah, that, of- uh, that they've diversified. But um, now I'm a little concerned about the strong first thing. I'm not so sure what's going on there. But isn't it more Anytime the same? Anytime you though? start using the, the, I, th- I, th- the, I think the I think strong first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's for me, from what I, I don't look at it too closely, to be honest, because all that stuff is in my rear view, just like we're talking about how you don't want to be attached to your past. But <laughs> you can't help but just being in this game, you can't help but have people tell you things. And from what from what I've gathered, it looks like the worst components of the RKC when we were there have been magnified over there. And that's just speculation on my part. It's not I'm not substantiating this with any facts that I'm aware of. That's just the way it appears to me. Well, it's like history. You know, you, you can't I mean, like you say, you, you don't want to be too focused on the past, but you can't forget your history either, because, you know, history right. has a way of repeating right. itself when, when you do forget it. So, but, you know, like you were asking me before, like, you know, I've been in the fitness industry now for 51 years. Wow. And I have seen a lot of fads <laughs> come and go, man, yeah, more than a half century. Think. And it's real I think interesting she's how. Larry King know, of our industry. Exactly. Since exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And just a lot of crazy stuff is coming yeah. on. I mean, some of it's just insane. And some of it was actually pretty good. And the stuff that was pretty good, it's still here. And it will be. Could you just give an example of some of the trends that you've seen come and go, the good ones and the bad? Yeah, well, I can remember uh, the yoga started a long time ago. You know, I've always been a fan of yoga. I think it's a really, real good thing. Uh, I mean, it can certainly help. And uh, if you include the yoga with a good strength program, mm-hmm. uh, it can be a very, very good cross training, speaking of CrossFit. And uh, I, I think that that uh, has been a trend that has stood the test of time. It's been around quite a while. And I, I think you might say kettlebells have basically stood the test of time. Uh, but people are beginning to diversify. They're not just doing all kettlebell workouts, right. but they're beginning to include certain really key exercises. In, in their in their workout plans, which I see is a really good thing, and uh, I mean, oh, but a lot of the things. Well, I mean, for example, bodyweight calisthenics have been around forever, and they're right, more right. popular than ever. They, they've always worked. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt. You know that you know sticking with basic bodyweight exercises is a great way to go, especially when you're minimalist like myself, and uh, you know you include maybe uh, a rubber band resistance in some of that stuff, you can have an unbelievable workout anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's just a rubber band, and all you need is some type of horizontal bar to support you. And, um, of course, I travel with a suspension device. That's to the test of time. I can remember when John Hines came up with uh, the, the old jungle gym. Oh, yep, my God, yeah. that was 30 years ago, man. You know, And it wasn't long thereafter that you started seeing this TRX thing, but uh, John was the first guy. Oh yeah, we did a we did a whole show on that. We did a whole show on how the TRX ripped him off, and and John went into detail with that. And uh, yeah, I mean for sure, uh, I, I would support John's 
product any day. I, I never particularly liked the design of the uh, the TRX. In fact, I I gave it away. <laughs> but you could you could actually you could actually make one really quite inexpensively with just sure. some uh, climbing climbing cord and. Right. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, so that type of body weight suspension exercise and so forth. But one one bit of warning though. Right now, there's like all sorts of uh, urban gymnastics stuff going on. You know. Right. And right. people doing their flips and their flags and their tricks. People have to understand the difference between training for general health and dra- training for strength versus demonstrating strength. Right. The difference between mm-hmm. stunts and feats of strength versus just regular training. Regular training makes you strong across the board, no matter what you do. Well, Certain it, feats, like like the flag, that requires a very specific skill set, and right. it has nothing to do with anything else. You could have a dude that could do the flag and hold it for thirty seconds, mm-hmm. and that's it. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with anything other than he can hold his body in a flag. And people right. make this mistake all the time, man, well, thinking you, that some somehow that this is something they need to emulate, but. I, I, I talked to a couple of young fellows that uh, I've been working with, and they, these guys were amazing. Some of the uh, stunts that they could do. Some of them are pretty dangerous. But I, one was 22, one was 23, and they both uh, admitted to me that their elbows and shoulders were killing them. And I said, dude, you're in your early 20s. See me, <laughs> right. see me, in, 20, see me in 20 years when you're in your 40s, and then yeah. tell me how you're feeling then, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that's the one thing that a lot of folks don't see on those YouTube videos is all the injuries that came along with it. They'll see parkour. They'll see the bartenders. They'll see all these guys doing various feats for the most part. Yeah, they're really, really strong with, with their body weight training, but they didn't see pretty much all the bumps and bruises it took for them to get to where they are on that video. And I think what it is, the general public is just so in love with anything that's sexy about training in order to get them motivated. If you start just talking about, okay, you need to just really work on your push-ups. Your push-ups suck. Your elbows are all out. You're, you're pretty much higher on one end than the other. They, then they don't care about that. They don't want to do push-ups. No, nah, when can I start with the kettlebells? Because to them, working with the kettlebells from what they've seen on YouTube you know, or anywhere else, that's what's sexy to them. They want to do that. But it, the basics are not sexy to anyone. You tell them, okay, just go in with weights. Let's get started with some squats. Yeah, but when can I do this? When can I just get the kettlebell and start doing Turkish get-ups and all this other stuff? They always look for all the circus tricks, if you if you may, <laughs> for a lot of stuff, so they can sit there and impress their friends, if anything. That's how I feel about it. It's like, look like I can do a flag. Check this out. Right. Look what I learned. Okay, but let's talk about all those injuries that you had in the process of doing that flag. And that's not sexy. No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to admit that they got hurt in the process of trying to learn all this stuff. They well, well Mark, Mark Phillip, he always had a really good point about everything you're saying, Sincere, where mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, I can do this in a Turkish getup, I can do that. And Mark would just listen, listen, listen. <laughs> and then when they finally stopped talking, he would be like, what's your deadlift? They're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't ever do the deadlift. He's like, all right, well, I don't really care about what you can do with the Turkish getup or what you could do here. He's like, you know, bring it back to a – Mark's always like, bring it back to a basic move. Right. And let's use that. As a foundation, you know, basic movements like what Steve talks about as well. So, but I, but you, you know, you're right, sincere. Because I mean, let's think about it. If, let's say one of your neighbors who's not even really big into working out just wanted to start getting into shape, and you said, okay, let's ha- let's have you do some push-ups, body weight squats. Once we get some weight off of you, we can throw in some sprinting, and then let's get some pull-ups in there. 
And what if what if that's all he ever did a couple times a week? You're going to get in great shape. Yeah. You don't have to do muscle confusion. You don't have to be like, okay, well, now we're going to do push-ups on a different surface as a way to change it. You know, we're going to do it on rocks on Monday, grass <laughs> on Wednesday, and then we'll find a mat for Friday. <laughs> you know? It's like we're going to do squats on a BOSU ball on Monday, and then we'll do squats on, on gravel on Wednesday, and then we're going to do you know, well, I mean, like a squat on, on top of the kettlebell. You know, we're going to go right there. <laughs> and then we're going to sign you up for Cirque du Soleil, and then I'm going to get paid. Okay, because that's pretty much what it's going to end up leading up to, man. But, but I like crazy. what Steve said too, man, about how a, a lot of people look great, but they feel like crap. And they don't admit that because yeah. they, they have to put on that person. I mean, everyone's looking at them to go on, man, look at that six pack. That guy's jacked or that girl's in great shape. She's starving. And, they, and then, well, <laughs> well, well, you talk to them privately and it's like that CrossFit sure. lady that Steve was talking about. Right, you've, got, you've got knee injuries, you've got shoulder injuries, and you're 22. You've got all these injuries of someone who's you know in their in a, 60s in after being home. a professional athlete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but you know I mean but so you have to you have to stand a certain way when you're in public so that you don't show your pain you know because <laughs> your body's so jacked up and I look at a lot of people's lab work and I've seen that too I mean there was there was I've had quite a few high level athletes as well as just really fitness enthusiasts who look like they're in great shape and I've looked at their lab work and they're they've got metabolic syndrome they've got insulin resistance their testosterone levels are nothing. And I'm like, wow, I never would have guessed this just looking at that person right. that they have this much of an unhealthy endocrinology going on. Well, you know, it comes back to two two factors. One is risk to benefit ratio. What are the risks, you know, versus what are the benefits? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the law of diminishing returns. I mean, like we had talked about earlier, at what point do you start to kind of maintain? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how strong does the person have to be? Like, let's just take the deadlift, for example. You know, the, the standard, the high, high level standard is to be able to deadlift double your body weight. Right. The acceptable level of standard would be 1.5 times your body weight. Right. You're a pretty strong guy, you know, but you're not going to be a, you know, a, uh, a high level champion or anything like that. But if you can deadlift, let's say, between 1.5 and double your body weight in the deadlift, how much stronger do you need to be? Especially right. if you're playing other sports or if you're doing it for sports performance. Is your sports performance going to be enhanced by getting stronger? And in order to get stronger, you're probably going to have to put more time into the deadlift to become more of a specialist, time that you do not have if you're playing other sports. And if you're just training for general health and general fitness, is the risk of injury worth building up to, let's say, 2.5 times your body weight? You know? And these are things only people can answer for themselves, of course. Mm -hmm. But it's something people have to take a hard look at. Right. The risk to benefit ratio of doing the movement and at what point do you start getting greatly diminishing returns? And is is the extra time and effort worth let's say getting stronger in particular lift worth it? For me, you know, I just went into maintenance mode. I'm just trying to hold on to what I've built. <laughs> <laughs> hold on into my into my seventies, you know, and uh, you know, hopefully eighties and, and you know, God willing beyond. But you know, you, you do change your perspective a lot as you begin to uh, get a little bit older, you know. You start getting a little bit smarter, and get, uh, for sure, you become more and more concerned about the injuries because you don't bounce back like so quick. Oh, once yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Do you it find it's more about just feeling? You find it's more about just feeling good each day, Steve. Yeah. Exactly. Feeling right. good, and you know, yeah. I have a lot of health, uh, like a whole health regimen in place that I do on a daily basis. You know, that it includes a lot of health maintenance things that. Um, I did in my uh, 30s, but I've continued, you know, uh, things like uh, using cold water therapies, 
and uh, dry brush massage and, uh, you know, different forms of uh, uh, self-massage, certainly the joint mobility. Uh, man, outside of dental care, I can't even emphasize how important dental care is. A lot of people just don't take care of their teeth and their, their oh, gums. That's so true. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. a, lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the Ayurvedic stuff, you know, we've talked about before, Mike, the, yeah. the tongue scraping, the, uh, the sinus and nasal rinsing with the right. metti pot. I mean, all these little things that you, you know, yeah, they take time and so forth, but all these little health practices uh, have huge dividends. And, uh, you know, over the years, wow, it really keeps you quite, quite healthy. I can't even tell you the last time I was really sick. I mean, I've had a head cold last year, uh, but that was it. I haven't been sick in, oh, my God, maybe 20 years, really sick, you know. Yeah, and that's impressive. It's, 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 well, it's just the result of, of just adhering to a very strict. Well, I, mean, I think it's impressive. We could just, especially with all the international travel you do, because yeah. those planes are an incubator for disease. <laughs> right. I mean, I've been on planes oh, before yeah. where there's people sneezing and coughing and, and not farting in their mouth. Five minutes ahead. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a toxic environment. You know, that flight to Australia, LA. I flew LA to Australia last year, right? I mean, that's a 15-hour flight straight, and. It's not a fun environment. Yeah, I mean that, that air, uh, air quality is in there. Unfortunately, I was in economy plus, so you're you're separated from coach where there's not as many people, and I'm in the front of the plane, which I think makes a huge difference than being in the back of the makes plane. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, it does. Especially being in the back, you're catching all the stuff, and plus you're right by the bathroom. You're just trapped. And just, you're <laughs> yeah. just like in a cesspool <laughs> of travel, man. <laughs> it's like I'm just like traveling in a toilet to another, to another country or something. <laughs> oh my god, you're not kidding me. That, that big line of people going oh, to the bathroom, god. and they're all they're against you. You know, the line they're leaning against you, like, dude, could you get off me and just kind of stay in the times on planes where especially when i used to fly coach you know I, like I, I as i've said on the show i refuse to fly coach <laughs> now. I, if it's if the workshop is not lucrative enough that economy plus is not a fit that i can't do economy plus i, I won't even bother doing it just forget it <laughs> because there have been times where you're stuck on those long flights on coach where you just want to grab the person's head in front of you and just pull it off <laughs> so, I hear you, man. oh my god and yeah when they want to sit, when they start giving you that virtual lap dance they lean back like dude really you just putting your head got, get off back his knees are pushed into the chair now and he's getting all comfortable and i was like man i but just want to punch but you right know what now. mike i'm the dick that will punch the back of your chair and push it and then <laughs> well, like, and they turn around and look at me and i just give them that look like you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i did that just like you did that and they're like oh sorry excuse me uh-huh exactly. I, I learned how to prop my knees up at a certain position where they can't push their seat oh back. i know and it's, oh i'll just put my keep, hand up no, no, they keep trying. It's not going. They're like, oh, well, I guess my seat is broken. I'm like, okay, no, good. Dude. I, I'm the dude. I will put my hand against their chair. And the people sitting next to me would just start laughing. And they'll keep trying to push back. And I'll keep pushing it forward like, dude, it's not happening. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Stop it. And my wife thinks I'm crazy for doing it. But I don't want that dude in my lap. I don't know him like that, man. Get I out of my head. Do economy plus uh, on I tell you, earplugs pl- and an eye mask go a long way for <laughs> right. <laughs> making, yeah. making the fight a little bit more uh, enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, you know, another shocking thing is how many people you see with the wheelchairs. I can oh. Oh. remember being at one flight. Uh, I believe it was I believe it was also to Australia. There was over eight people that needed wheelchairs. And it was just shocking to me. And I was thinking, my God, I'm looking at these poor souls in these wheelchairs, thinking like how they lost their youthfulness, lost their mobility, everything. And I don't know what their exact circumstances. 
circumstances were very clear that they hadn't taken care of their health. And right. man, it made me even more more determined never to end up like that. And Mike, if it ever happens, I want you to come to the nursing home and pull the fucking plug. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you no, ever stop you, and think? But you ever stop and think that they may be in those wheelchairs just so they can get on the damn plane first because they're sitting, they're tired of sitting there getting all the bootleg seats and being the last one to get on. You can't put your bags on. That's a good hustle right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good hustle. Just get on the wheelchair so you can get on first with the babies and the military guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start doing that, man. That's a great hustle. <laughs> Roll up with a little rascal, like, all right, okay, who's gonna help me get on? Come on. Well, what, what's always very disconcerting, actually when you fly a lot is the difficulty you see with people getting in and out of their seat. And what I mean is they can't squat down to sit down. They just flop in the seat. And when they want to get out, they have to do a basically a, a, a deck Spear. squat, roll Spear. back and build some momentum and push themselves out of it. And that's very common. That's a very common sight. Another very common sight is people in need of extender belts where they're, they're so overweight, yeah. their belly is so big. <laughs> and, they're, and they're always they the one, and they always get they always get the middle seat, which sucks for everybody <laughs> on the left and the right, unless the well, person again, on man, the window I, seat I, is a big guy. I, first class or economy, <laughs> but I go. I don't do this coach, but not yeah. said city. But even there, I mean, th- th- I saw this one guy whose belly was so – I mean, it was huge. Like he was about to give birth to triplets. I mean, it was enormous. And he had to have this extender belt at its yeah. max go over it. And then he's – he, he, he just looked like it didn't bother him one bit. It's like, yeah, okay, let me go ahead and get another scotch while I'm sitting back relaxing. I was like, that's shameful, man. I mean, that's just that's just flat out embarrassing and totally well, avoidable. Well, trust, trust and, me. And, at the point and now, you just wonder how that happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, got, how did didn't, he get there? Did, didn't that guy look in the mirror at himself? You know? I mean, it's just mind blowing that someone could allow themselves to accumulate that much mass. And not do something about it. Well, here's the wake up call. And when you get those flights and then they start charging you for two seats, that's when you <laughs> and that's when you got to sit there and say to yourself, you know what? Something's got to change now. Something has to change because it's really way too expensive to live like this. Something. Right. So it's like you got to really just start thinking, like, OK, what are these? What what's what brought me here and how do I fix it? Because I'm sorry, I don't want to sit and pay for coach the same price I would pay for one seat in first class. So because you're buying two seats now. You know, one of the big differences between old people and infirm people, uh, people that mean bodily youth, uh, biological versus chronological, mm-hmm. is the ability to get up and down off the floor and be comfortable on the floor. Right. And uh, like Mike, Mike mentioned how some people can't even get out of a chair, you know, without either pulling on the back of your seat or gaining right. momentum yeah. like a deck squat. Uh, <laughs> there's, a very, there's a very interesting test. It was actually... Uh, uh, engineered at the uh, Physical Education Institute in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and they researchers looked at a, uh, a lifestyle questionnaire and were able to determine uh, risk factors for people, their, their percent chance of dying, uh, premature death, and then they correlated that with <clears throat> the ability to get up and down off the floor. With one point of support to get up and down off the floor had a much higher risk uh, um, risk of premature death from all causes. It correlated perfectly. So people's inability to locomote and get up and down. And I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the aging process just happen, uh, happens because people just stop moving. They stop getting yeah. on the floor. They stop moving around. And they mm. very quickly f- forget how to move. And before you know it, their tissues become stiff. You know, Of course, a lot of these things have been caused by inflammatory diets. Their joints ache. So they stop moving the joint, and before you know it, they lose the ability to 
even do simple things like walking, getting up and down out of a chair. And one of the things I use to combat this aging process is I try to get in the floor as much as possible. I mm-hmm. sit in the floor like a kid, either in the huh. Z seat, cross-legged, mm-hmm. uh, with my legs straight out in front of me. Uh, so I lay on my stomach a lot with an iPad on the floor, uh, sort of like a modified cobra position. Right. That's a great, mm-hmm. great for your posture to prevent forward head and kyphosis. And uh, just laying around on the floor, just like a kid would. You know, you see kid, kids playing video games. They're all over the floor, kneeling on their heels nailing on their feet, you know, sitting in all these different positions. And they're, you know, it's effortless for them to get up and down. But, man, you take the adult over 40, they have a lot of difficulty getting up and down off the floor. And you get some people, well, my mother, for example, I, I was just shocked to see how much she had aged the last time I saw her. The hmm. shocking. I know she, she's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was just... I, I mean, that's what's in my genetic heritage, right? You know, you look at your parents and your grandparents, and you yeah. see the way they're moving. You right. figure, hey, that's, that's what's in my DNA, man. That's what's in my future. I really don't believe my mother could get down on the floor and get up. I don't think she could. I mean, not without great, great, great difficulty. Wow. Um, for sure, I don't want to be there. So I practice getting up and down off the floor a lot. And, um, you know, I also do a lot of martial art break falls. I, I don't want right. to lose that ability to fall. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, well, and of course, the leading cause of death in the United States and Europe is accidents in the home. It's not cancer. It's not heart disease. People are falling and injuring themselves. And then, mm. you know, they, 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 then they'll die from a heart attack or a stroke because right. they can't move anymore. So the official cause might be heart attack, but the actual cause was they damaged their hip or their knee in a fall. I can remember that's the way my grandfather died in his 80s. He fell, broke the hip, never recovered, died of a heart attack soon thereafter. So by keeping yourself spry and mobile, you know, uh, and knowing how to engage the ground, get up and down off the floor, and even knowing how to fall can make a huge uh, difference in your lifespan and the quality of your life as you get older. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point that makes me think about keeping my dogs healthy because as, as dogs get way older and they lose their mobility, they don't last long after that. Because, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think just mentally it's very demoralizing when they can't get up and move around. They can't go to the bathroom on their own. And I think a lot of health issues starts just piling up after that. But when you can keep a dog mobile, when you can keep I – I have a lab who's 14, and I'm, I've given her the right diet and right protocol where when I first got her, she was really fat. She was overweight. She had a hard time standing up from a lying position. Going for long walks was difficult. Now she does that no problem. She's actually healthier being several, several years older. So I, th- I think you bring up some really interesting points about how some ways to measure health to a large extent is your ability to go from a lying position to a standing position, I mean, off the floor, not off of a bed, your movement patterns, your ability to move pain-free. I think it carries over to animals as well as people because when I tell you, when dogs lose mobility, they're, they're not going to last much longer after that. Everything else starts falling apart too. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I used to keep ferrets for my kids when I was a householder back in Philly. I, I always liked ferrets. I just thought they're funny little animals. They're really curious and very smart. And um, an average life expectancy for a ferret is about five, six year old, years old. Hmm. And uh, we we had two ferrets live to nine years old. That's wow. an old man. <laughs> it's an old man <laughs> ferret. And uh, we systematically underfed the ferrets. We never overfed. We would fast them pretty regularly. 
and we weight trained them. We would, uh, they, 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 they loved, um, for some reason, they liked to uh, steal um, caps off of bottles. And we would attach like weights to these caps and they'd grab it in the <laughs> mouth and they would drag these weights. And uh, they liked to do tug of wars. And, and it was really funny to watch this ferret that weighed about one and a quarter pounds drag a 10 pound barbell plate, you know, like 10 times its own weight. Pretty strong little, <laughs> yeah, really funny. And uh, That's cool. these guys were weight trained and strong. And, and you know, we systematically underfed them, which proves that, you know, for mammals especially, uh, under eating can be a great way to preserve youth and vitality. That overloading the digestion and overeating, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's definitely the path to, to premature aging and all sorts of debilitating disease. It's like the Okinawans. They're renowned for their, yeah, their sure. uh, longevity, and they have a rule called the 80% rule. They never eat till satisfied, and they never eat till they're full. They always leave the table feeling like they could have eaten more, maybe even a little hungry. They call it 80%. And that's definitely a practice I've I've adopted. I think a lot of people. I think most people would I have a hard have time. No, I think most people would have a hard time with that because I think well, people love overeating, whether they're a fitness person or not. Because so many people who work out hard often say, "Great, now I can eat whatever I, I want." Go to the buffet. And, and, I'm and going to the Yeah, no. I mean, I, I see fitness people posting all the time. It's like, "Hey, I went to the donut place today because I worked out hard, or I just had a." <laughs> The four scoops of ice cream. Because, Hashtag, you know, this is why I work out. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, we see that all the time, yeah. which to me means that you still have the same eating disorder you've always yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. You traded one We're, for another one. That's yeah, you're, you're, just a, you're just an eating disorder person, victim, or not victim, but eating disorder practitioner <laughs> with, right. with a workout regimen now, but you still have the underlying eating disorder. Yeah, but also, or Steve. Exercise, but, exercise binging. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, Steve, yeah. What, but one thing about the Okinawans compared to what's going on over here, I think also, Mike, will make the 80-20 rule that the Okinawans, you know, adhere to very difficult for Americans because the Okinawans have better food, choose to eat better food than right. most Americans. Whereas the food that, that most Americans are eating is not designed for an 80-20 rule because you're never going to feel like you even had any food at all. So it's almost like you're constantly in that state where you're starving all the freaking time because the food is not real. The quality is terrible. It's probably not even food anymore. It's made with all these chemicals. So it's a lot of them choose food that they'll never be able to do an 80-20 rule. It'll no, that's a good happen. point. It's, it's hard to overeat real food. Oh, exactly. Who grabs a bowl of almonds and is like, man, I want four more? Oh, man, I just want 10 <laughs> servings of just this kale. I'm just going to kale it out today, baby. That salad was so good, I'm going back for my ninth salad. You know, at the buffet. <laughs> going to the salad buffet. Like, really? Like, all kale's breaking loose today, baby. You better know that. <laughs> What's funny is there are, there are salad buffets, which always makes me laugh. Because, yeah, but, but of, course, of, course, if, yeah, of course, it's loaded with a bunch of crap. I mean, there's a lot of greens there, but then it's all the additives that make it garbage. But a, a lot, a lot of people celebrate just overindulgence or just gluttony. Well, you know, it's interesting about people using workouts as an excuse for binging. Yeah. And uh, but I, I find that a lot of people they they won't be making good progress with their fat loss, and they they kind of, oh, I'm working out, I'm working out. They don't realize how easy it is to out eat any exercise program. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and no matter how good the program, they can out eat it. Like just one big binge meal. <laughs> exactly. Right. They're one buffet away, burn. man, from just killing any. Yeah, just one buffet. Just, just <laughs> one buffet trip to the Bellagio away from just breaking down any game. So anyone that's coming to our workshop in September, keep that in mind. Okay. No, I, I've, had, I've had people tell me they've put on 10 pounds in a weekend. On yeah, a I know. Vegas trip. I know. And I, and, and I believe it because I've, I see what people eat when I go out here. 
I mean, if you and, can, and a cruise is just as worse. I mean, I have a cruise right, coming up right. in about three weeks. I'm already preparing myself for that. I'm just like, look, you know, and pretty much people getting, okay, I'm going to just drink. I'm going to eat this. I'm like, no. I found out they have a sanctuary on that boat. I said, I'll be spending a lot of time meditating and just enjoying the water. I'm not going to be stuck at the buffets all day for eight days straight. I mean, that's the, that just sounds like a nightmare, okay, for anyone right there. I don't care. You could yeah, be starving I, I, in Ethiopia I, and you wouldn't want to sit there at a buffet for eight days straight. Come on. I, I actually have a role for that because I, I, I t- I've taken quite a few cruises mm-hmm. and uh the, the 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 role is one plate that's it yeah one plate and uh no more no <laughs> more than one one time one trip whatever you put in that plate and then and that's, that's it. it yeah and then I, I i try to uh you know uh not even eat everything that i put in that plate and that were that worked well for me just as a like a portion control kind of thing yeah you know and both of you guys made a very good point. Not enough people in the United States are eating enough raw fruits and raw vegetables. It's really, really hard to um, to overeat fresh raw vegetables and fruits. Virtually impossible. And uh, unless you're going, like you said, Mike, going to a salad bar and using the, sal- uh, the salad bar with the salad as a vehicle for salad dressing. You're just using it as a vehicle to load up a lot of blue cheese dressing or something. But, right. <laughs> the salad is the base. And and, keep building on. <laughs> but if people like, could just get back to the basics of just eating good old-fashioned raw fruits, raw vegetables, man, that – that has a that that increases satiety level like like anything that fiber yeah. and the the act of chewing and the cell salts from the the leaf greens and the you know the what the the fruits and vegetables it it, it I don't know for me it's an immediate feeling of satiety and uh, yeah it's hard to overeat those kind of things and, yeah, really, and you get yeah. energy you can feel the energy from eating those type of foods like rarely will you I mean unless you've just been starving. I don't think there's anyone. I always talk about this because, you know, I've I come across those people that get into all the trendy diets. They might get into paleo and all this. And I'm like, look, dude, when have you ever felt energetic as soon as you had a lot of meat? <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. like, no, you pretty much you're lethargic. You're, you're feeling like, uh, but they'll they'll tell themselves there's this this placebo effect. Like, no, nah, man, I feel good when I eat that. That's why I don't eat carbs. and I don't eat bread. and I don't do grains and all this. But when I eat meat, I feel energetic. And I'm like, OK, you just get a pile. You go to go to a churrascaria and have about two or three plates of all these various meats and then tell me how good you feel afterwards. No, you're going to feel just like the guy that went to the buffet and had a lot of bread and, and croutons on his salad. You're in the same boat. Now you're in the exact same boat. You're feeling lethargic. You're feeling bloated. You're feeling like, Oh my God, I'm just, you start having, you start having the meat sweats is what I start calling that man. So, so it's no different than oh, the other been person. There, man. Yeah. Meat sweats are not fun at all. <laughs> and especially on your digestive system after the meat sweats is done. So it's, it's not fun. But when, like I said, when are you ever going to just have like good fruits and vegetables and not feel energetic after? You feel good, but you're also kind of reconnecting with the earth because we're so disconnected with everything else that that's being fed to us, right? But the other thing that people forget: people that did base their dietary practices uh, on uh, a meat-based diet, mm-hmm. let's say like the Inuits, they were eating pretty much raw meat. They yeah. were getting it right from the animal, fresh kill. They were still, you know, they they were getting some fresh blood. They were getting it in its raw state with all the enzymes uh, intact. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they weren't barbecuing it over the charcoal grill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, doing, you know, and, and doing, you know, uh, uh, aged uh, processed meat. I mean, you know, that stuff is just pure poison. So, yeah. And now on yeah, that there's note. There's a big difference between. And on that note, now, yeah. if you want to eat like your ancestors, I mean, you might as well go all the way out. 
Come on. <laughs> so eat like that. I bet you there'll be a big game changer. So if they start putting that in like some of these diets and start saying like, okay, we're going to eat like answers and start doing the way you just spoke about. I'm pretty sure a lot of people say, ah, screw that. I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm, yes. sure, I'm sure that's next this year. I'm, I'm just well, waiting since for people the, eating I'm, butter. I'm, since people on butter diets right now, let me take <laughs> yeah. that back. Because people put a stick of people put a stick of butter in their coffee. That's the end thing right now. now you know, next, next they'll be putting a stick of butter up their ass. Well, you know, you know, that's, you know Mike, I have to be honest. Next. With you, I probably wouldn't doubt that has already happened, <laughs> especially when the parties that we we're speaking about right here. It's going to be coffee butter. You know, there's coffee enemas. Now it's going to be coffee with the stick of butter it's enemas. Stick some butter up your ass, gets right to the source, hits those nerve endings, and bam, baby, energy all. All day long. <laughs> no, but I, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, I think it's a bad sign when you have a meal and you have to go take a nap afterwards. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, not, it's like, oh good. man, I'm so tired from eating. It's like, isn't food supposed to give you energy and fuel you? <laughs> you have to go job. take a, you have to go lie down now for a while after you ate. You know, that's a bad sign. You know, it's well, like, that, man, that meal was such a workout. <laughs> Well, a lot of people have no clue that how, just how much energy digestion actually takes. It really does. I mean, it takes a lot of energy from your body. And when they do overeat or eat all this really hard-to-digest food, wow, that's really enervating. You're right. It, instead of energizing, it becomes enervating. And yeah. having to take a nap after a meal, that is a pretty bad sign. That's pretty much a good indicator of, you know, you either got to change the amount of foods you're eating, portion control, or the type of food that you're eating because – you know, it's it's not doing a body good, man, when you got to lay down and sleep. <laughs> fiesta to yeah. siesta, baby, all day long. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow, yeah, somehow I don't think that's going to help with digestion. You know, just going, <laughs> I got to sleep right. this off, Mike. It's like a hangover. <laughs> it's like a hangover. Yeah. It's like they got to go sleep it off. Like, yeah, man, just give me just give me a couple hours, man. I'll be good to go. And then they wake up, and what do they do? They go eat again. It's basically Steve, called uh, habit hunger. It, it, you know, I was they, about to say, this becomes a eat out of a habit. Yeah, it, right. it's like they, they never right. experienced true biologic hunger in their life. Probably most people in the United States never experienced true biological hunger. So they're eating out of habit. The first little tummy rumbling, they get into a complete panic. Of course, that's instilled by well-meaning but misguided mothers and so forth. Right. You know, oh, you must eat, you must eat. And, you know, Food people just literally freak over the idea of missing a meal or, right. you know, their tummy's rumbling a little bit. And they become very frightened. And, you know, this this whole culture of eating, eating, overeating, needing well, even, even in our industry, time. Steve. Even in our industry, it's, it's you don't day. get your you don't get your protein in every two hours. You're going to you're you going to have muscle. muscle waste. Yeah. <laughs> We can't. We yeah. hear that stuff all the time. It's like you don't get that 30 grams of protein in within 45 minutes of a workout. You're going to start catabolizing tissue. I mean, we hear or, that. Nonsense. Or you wasted a workout. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, you wasted a workout. <laughs> you might as well not even have worked out at all. You exactly. missed that post workout. <laughs> so there's so much fear. When you, when you think about how much life is fear based, like how much how much of people's actions are based on fear as the motivator, that's a scary thought right there. I mean, right. just about it's like if you don't wear a deodorant, everyone's going to think you stink. You better Who go cares? wear it. It's like if you uh, you know, deodorant was actually something that was invented not that long ago, and it was it wasn't even a problem. No, no one ever thought of it as a problem before deodorant. But then once it once it became in vogue and popular, now it's a problem. And I'm not saying that I'm that I, that I'm encouraging people not to wear deodorant or that I don't you know, because I do. And I and I've been in cultures where they don't. And believe me, you wish they did. But I think it's because we're used to this this sanitized society that we're in. Some, yeah, yeah, those are new world problems right there. Like, oh my well, god, everything's all geared towards everything's yeah geared toward killing germs, and you know, there's all this germophobia and so forth. 
but you know now they're finding that a lot of the the, the bacteria has a lot of benefits to the body. Right, right. You you you, you need it to help with uh, uh, certain pro, uh, processes in the body. It even helps the immune system to an extent. Well, you're even uh, getting yeah. sick from time to time. Same principle. You get sick from time to time. Your immune system has to fight off the illness, and then you're stronger. So people it, it who needs, never it needs this. It's an indicator. Getting sick is that, an indicator. Like Something's off in your body, and you need to let your body do what it needs to do. Don't sit there and try to stifle it with Nyquil and Benadryl and all this. Like, no, right. you're sick for a reason. Don't get upset about it. Start thinking, like, okay, what's going on with my life? What do I need to change up to not get back? To not feel like this again and not have my body break down on me. Obviously, I'm probably not sleeping enough or I'm overtraining, not training at all or something like that. It's an indicator. So your body's smarter than you. And so if you're getting sick, man, yeah, that's, it's, it's true, a message. It is. You know, yeah, it's definitely a message because yeah. it's not natural to be sick. No, it truly right, isn't. right. And the worst thing a person can do when they start to get sick or start to get the symptoms is just continue to feed yourself. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. The, the best thing to do is just simply fast. And if yeah. you can't really truly hack, just a water fast, just go to juice. Juices, fast. yeah. It's just absolutely yeah. miraculous how when you unburden yourself from having to digest food, how quickly your immune system can defeat whatever it is that's trying to get a hold of you. To my, and my, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you can nip a cold right in the bud, just knock it right out of your system within just 24 hours if you just stop eating. Yeah, most Even likely. just missing one one or two meals. But yeah, what do yeah. people do? You know, they. They, they just continue to eat just the way they always well, would. Philosophy. Philosophy. Every two to three hours, every two to three yeah, hours. Stuff, stuff a cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. You need to feed a cold. Of... You need to feed a cold. Like, no, don't, <laughs> don't feed the animals. You don't want to feed it. And, and it, most likely you're probably sick because you have a lack of water and hydration and, and nutrients coming from fruits and vegetables that you can get from juicing. And that's another reason why it probably works so much better when you do that because now you're giving your body what it wants instead of another Big Mac or another, you know, another combo meal or something like that, man. So, or do you no, remember the, the old saying, you know, feed a cold star of a fever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But that, that's, that's, a bastard, <laughs> that's a bastardization of the old. Uh, that, was a, that, was, uh, that, that was a misquote. The original statement was, if you feed a cold, you will have to starve a fever. Mm. Meaning that if you, if you continue to eat when you start to get cold symptoms, you're going to end up having to fast with a fever. Yeah, but if I'm in the food industry, I'm going to have to change that up a little bit because I can't, or, or I'm in the drug industry. I'm like, no, 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 Steve. Steve, you're getting the wrong guy. Hold on. No. Yeah. <laughs> some, some, some advertising rep heard that statement. He's like, oh, oh I got a better one. Bullshit. Bullshit. You just look at it, what animals do when they're sick. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you look at what animals do when they're sick. They automatically stop eating. They just fast it out, right? And then once they get better, they start eating again. But that, that's the first thing any dog I've ever had does when they get sick is they don't want to eat. Even dogs that love to eat, they don't want to eat when they're sick. Once they feel better, they start babies. eating again. And neither do babies. Yep, so exactly. baby, babies and animals are like your best indicator for health right there. Before we impose our adult human you know, lifestyles upon them, just take a look at them. Just the way they move, the way they eat. Every, every baby has a perfect squat. Perfect squat technique. And great breathing patterns. They know how to breathe correctly from the diaphragm. They're, they're not chest breathing. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, but I, th I think this, this, I think a lot of people have a fear of hunger, as Steve was talking about. Right. And I, I actually like hunger in between meals. I find it energizing and, it's, and it almost puts you into this mental state of intensity where you get more done. Oh, yeah, you you got to focus because you're not falling asleep from eating too much. You know, you're not getting tired. You know, the no. weighing <laughs> you down. Digestive well, system is like, I'm yeah, busy, dude. <laughs> yeah. eating, people eat five, seven times a day. I go, you're never going to be energetic because your whole day revolves around your next fix. 
like a yeah, crackhead. Never, like, like a crackhead. Ten minutes later, you never going to store body fat for energy. You're yeah. never going to store body fat for energy. You're not learning how to efficiently metabolize food. You're just relying on a little kick all the time. I got and I think muscles, I think Mike. there's a lack of mental toughness too that you don't get either because right. what I mean. Like we've all taught seminars, and I'm sure all of us can see that all of us have taught seminars probably on a completely empty stomach most of the time. Yeah. I mean I've taught seminars where I wake up, I hydrate, maybe I have some amino acids. A lot of times I don't, and I go through the whole day without eating a thing, and I feel fantastic. I feel energized. I, the words are coming out easily. Everything is coming well, and then at the, after, after the course, I'm ready to feast. But, I, but I don't, I've never liked having a big breakfast before I oh, teach. hell I'm no. Pretty, I can't even imagine – doing some of the yeah, movements that we do on a full stomach that would be that would be <laughs> tragic for the students man <laughs> so you're doing a that kettlebell my mind just, yeah my mind just won't uh, clearly work there. i mean if i uh, I'm, I'm with mike uh, a lot of times i will fast for the, at least the first half of the seminar yeah my mind would be much clearer i'm able to articulate what it is i want to say i feel more energetic and it's it's amazing how preoccupation with a task completely undermines hunger. You know, exactly. I always tell people when they're trying to diet, well, get busy with a creative project. Get yeah, out exactly. there and do some woodworking or, or paint or draw or or do right. something that is preoccupying you, so that all your thoughts are not so food centered. And guaranteed, yeah. you're not going to feel hungry for hours if you're doing something really satisfying. Especially working with your hands or something. I exactly. mean, you just don't get hungry, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, I, I'll tell my nieces all the time if we're just like hanging out, you know, like I have our big family day on Sunday, and then they just had lunch or something like that. Then probably about thirty minutes later, they're going in the kitchen. I said, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm hungry. I said, "No, you're not hungry. You're bored." I said, "So you don't eat when you yep. get bored." That's been rule, and I've taught my kids that from day one. You never eat when you're bored. In fact, that's what's wrong with America now. They're so bored and so distracted from their own lives. And then once other distractions are not happening, oh, well, okay, this reality show went off. I guess I'll go eat now. Oh, the reality show's back on. Let me grab something to eat so I can watch it. Oh, it's off again. Let me go grab something to eat. So it's just constantly boredom a lot of times. It's what they're feeding and not exactly feeding the body. So much of it, too, is overstimulation. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the mind becomes overstimulated with all these television shows that are really distracting <laughs> and exciting and you know, and and then of course the food with all the added chemicals and flavor enhancers and you know very overstimulating and it's just this chronic overstimulation in our culture and mm. you know ki- kids just don't seem to be able to entertain themselves anymore adults too for that matter mm-hmm. you know they're always looking to the television or movies or video games or or, or some external thing to focus right. all their attention on right right so much and vicarious no you know, living yeah. Exactly. Pretty much, yeah. but when you start to go inside and internal, and I'm, I, I know Mike, you're you're into meditation, and sincere, you mentioned uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you when you stop, and you just start to get out of your mind, and start to focus inwardly, it's it's an amazing thing. It's uh, it's an amazing way to conserve energy and to to. Uh, to recharge the battery, so to speak, and just spending a few minutes a day, even every day, uh, and it has a lot of uh, health-giving benefit. Just getting out of that noisy mindset. Right. Uh, so many people, you know, with so much fear and worry and doubt and trying to figure this out and figure that out. Uh, I think everyone needs to take time, at least a few minutes every day. And you know, if, if people are religious or you know they believe in a higher power, or whatever, it might be a good time to do a little thoughtful prayer. 
but sure. uh, you know me- meditation and so forth. I-, I think that's a really important part of the whole the whole uh, uh, fitness uh, health longevity thing. You got you got to look at the fitness of the 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 inner self, you know, the right. soul or whatever you want to call it. And that's a big missing component right now, I think, in the fitness industry. So many people so focus on the external and you got to look like this, you got to get this, you got to get ripped, you got to do all this other stuff, but. It's the mindset because if your mind's not right, none of that stuff's going to matter. It's not going to last long. It's not going to last long at all because you're doing it all for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fitness people are it's, – it's, a lot of people would be surprised to hear are not happy campers. And they, not at all. They, fitness has become a distraction from their depression where they work out, work out, work out because they don't want to deal with their other unresol- life. <laughs> unresolved emotional issues or whatever is going on in their life. I've even had some people tell me, they go, man, if it wasn't for my workouts, I wouldn't be able to put up with my job I hate. I was like, well, you know what? You need to quit your workouts so you can quit that fucking job because you know, your workouts are not enhancing your life right now. It's like you're telling me you have a job you hate, and the only reason you can tolerate it is because you work out. I was like, my, the best advice I can give you is to stop working out <laughs> because then you won't be able to tolerate that job you hate anymore, and you can get on with your life and actually right. have a fun, fulfilling life. Exactly. Well, it's interesting. It's like that old George Carlin routine. You know, people work jobs they absolutely hate to buy stuff that they don't actually need. And then when they buy the stuff that they don't need, they have to continue to work that job to keep the stuff that they don't need. <laughs> yeah. Trying to and trying <laughs> to know? impress people they don't even like. <laughs> that's the other part. Of and it. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and, the other one for sure. It's like this vicious <laughs> circuit, you know. And if people would just start to take a really hard look at this. And see, you really don't need that much. No. And it's not the stuff that's going to make you happy, man. For sure, I found that out. <laughs> you know, yeah. going from a four-story brownstone house, two cars, TV in every room. You know, the wife, the kids, the business. You know, to pretty much living out of a single bag. I can tell your listeners that there's no happiness to be found whatsoever in material things. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you. You read about it all the time. I think hey. there you go. Okay, we'll all right. Back. Okay, I, th- I think that's Skype's so way of saying we all three of you need to get off and uh, <laughs> go enjoy yeah. the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, since you like getting outside so much, get off the yeah. line and go do it, bitches. I got yeah, my dog. In a couple hours, so yeah. It's no, no, we can we can wrap. Let, let's wrap up, Steve, with uh, whatever stuff you have going on, products you want to plug, you know, anything that that you want our listeners to know about. The website is Maxwell sc.com and uh okay. you can go to my events page and find an event near you i'm pretty much all over the place so you never know when i'm going to pop up in your neighborhood um my next big uh, event it will be in um, portland oregon and uh then i'll be going to icaria greece that's uh, that actually that island has the distinction of um, having the oldest living population real interesting place it's one of the blue zones, right? yeah it's one of the blue one zones Right up there with uh, with uh, Okinawa, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, I'll just be be all over the place uh, here, there, everywhere. So just check out the site. Uh, I will be doing something very interesting. I'm I'm doing uh, a workshop for Reb Gear. It's a, a mixed martial arts uh, uh, expo in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Okay. That's oh, also awesome. on the website. Pretty close to me. And that that should. Be fun. I'm actually teaching. Um, a kettlebell workshop for for martial artists, but I'm also teaching a medicine ball workshop. Back in the day, I, I, I had quite a few moves with medicine balls. They're pretty versatile little tools, so that should be a lot of fun. That's going to be uh, August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in San Antonio, Rev okay. Gear. But take you to go to revgear.com. 
they make all sorts of really cool uh, uh, jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts equipment, training equipment, as well as uniforms and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little different for me, you know, actually repping for a company and doing a, uh, a workshop for those guys. But, awesome uh, stuff, yeah, man. It was really, really fun catching up with you guys. Same yeah, here, man. Real pleasure, man. I'll, I'll definitely give you a call soon sometime this yeah, week. If do, you, we'll catch awesome. up a little bit, talk about some business stuff, too. And yeah. then uh, let's see. So MaxwellSC.com. Check out all of Steve's videos. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Definitely, I mean, he's got yeah. awesome free information on his YouTube channel. Get on his Facebook page and just, just take advantage of all the information he has. And then support his business by getting to a course, getting an information product, signing up as an online client. Are you still taking online clients, Steve? Yes, I am. Um, awesome. I actually have a couple couple spots open. Uh, they fill up pretty quick, but uh, you know, you get the ebb and flow. People come for a year or two, and then they really get the information they need, and they they're able to move on. But uh, yeah, I love working with people online. So yeah, thank you for the plug. Perfect, fantastic, man. Thanks again, buddy. Right. Great talking to you. Take yeah. care. Yeah, sincere. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you, brother. Take care, man. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. And again, that's Steve Maxwell, Maxwell, www.maxwellsc.com. And he's got a ton of great information on there. We'll definitely get him back. Some of you were like, oh, can you guys talk to him about strength training for jujitsu and stuff <laughs> like that? And, you know, we'll, we'll make it. Usually what the first time we have a guest on, we like to make it really broad and wide so you get a real flavor of what they're all about. And then the yeah, second time, third time we have it. Exactly. So next time we'll just pick maybe one training topic such as – strength training for combat athletes and just focus on that for an hour. But until then, folks, what you can do is support us for all the great free information we give you too. So go to MikeMahler.com, use coupon code LLA, and load up on some great supplements, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, my Restorezyme. You can also use that coupon code to get a T-shirt, 10% off, any of my videos, 10% off. And you also get the hookup over at New Warrior Training. And what can they get with you, man? And with that, you get 30% off of my bodyweight training DVD, the digital or physical copy, as well as 30% off of my weight management 101 course. Self-paced, really learn how to learn how to take control of your body and how food works with your body, how your training works with your body, aerobic, anaerobic. Removes all the mystery that so many people in the fitness industry are trying to put in front of you all the time to make it seem like you have no control whatsoever. Well, I'm here to knock all that little smoke and all those mirrors out of the way so you can be a more informed consumer and be better versed at what goes on with your body and how to start taking control of your health. That's why I worked with someone to really put this program together. I think you really enjoy it. Lots of videos, PDFs, audios, all these different forms of media to help you really get a grasp on what this course is about and get a grasp on what your health is about. And then, like I said, you can be a better informed consumer and better choose what to go next, what the next step is going to be after that. So again, hop over to newwarriortraining.com, use that same coupon code LLA, and you'll get 30% off of that. Awesome stuff, man. And basically, instead of blowing smoke up people's asses, you're going to break down those smoke and mirrors. So I, I like that. <laughs> exactly. I don't, know, I don't know who came up with that phrase, blow smoke up someone's ass. Uh, those, <laughs> hey, hey, you trying to blow smoke up my ass? Like, first of all, if you're trying to blow smoke up my ass, I wouldn't even be asking you the question. Like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to blow anything up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's not even use that metaphor. You, know? you shouldn't have to ask that question. If somebody's that close to your ass, then something needs to be done physically. <laughs> 
and, and not verbally. Oh <laughs> uh, man, some of these phrases people come up with, man, you're just where the oh, hell did man, that come? Busting my balls? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking somebody's busting your balls. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure they're not gonna take that request that you're giving. Like, hey man, don't bust my balls, okay? <laughs> oh man, too funny. All right, folks, enjoy this one, and we'll see you next time. Take care, people. <laughs>